humans done fucked up. Um, Which is an excellent trope. Yeah. Um, what does Smaug say when he's got nothing to do? I don't know. Smorgasbord. <laughs> what is trope? What is tropes? How do book? <laughs> How do book? Why do tropes? <laughs> Why do tropes? Activate your energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors, I guess, podcast. <laughs> My name is... for me to jump in for a second. No, no, no. I thought I'd try and be funny. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, okay. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and here with me every single week is the one and only... Samantha Frost, that's me. Hello. Hello, Samantha Frost. Ah, oh, damn it. Samantha Sust. There we go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was seven, I went by Samantha Pimian for a while. Pimian. Yeah, I wrote a load of letters down on a piece of paper, asked my dad what it said, and he said it says Pimian. And I was like, I am now and forevermore Samantha Pimian. Samantha Pimian. I think I've told this anecdote before, but like when um looking at author, like starting my author business and possible pen names and stuff, I was gonna use um a pseudonym that was the second name of my it'll be my grandmother's maiden name, uh, which is also a cock-based surname. <laughs> so it was gonna be a Hancock rather than a Wilcox, but ultimately I think like yeah, I just I just went with the name. It was just easier. Um, how are you, Sam? How's your week been? My week has been a bit of a mixed bag, mostly good. Um, but it started off with a major triggering, um, which just saw me like up all night, kind of scrubbing skirting boards and and stuff. Um, but apart from that, generally speaking, I've had a lovely week. Actually, thank you very much. I've um, been spending some lovely quality time with my son um and playing chess and hearing all about new and interesting ideas from his brain lovely yes we won't <laughs> share the, the one that was in no this we won't it's <laughs> unnecessary it's unnecessary if you want to find that out you need to come to the sprints guys it's, yeah you're missing out on a lot just me <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there's certain times in a parent's life where your kid says something and you're and you're just so fucking grateful that you're inside yeah yeah yeah. How about you? How's your week been? Quick. Yeah? Yeah, this, like, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, 19th of January, 2023, approximately 1.56. And it's, it's just kind of flown by. Like, it's one of those, um, <laughs> I'm loath to say weird weeks. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just one of those weeks that, like, I'm aware that a lot has happened. I've done a lot but I'm struggling now to remember on the spot what it, what it was. Yes. Um, so yeah, I've been working through actually sticking with a to-do list. Um, and I always find that with myself, like I end up making big complicated to-do lists on things like Notion and looking into all of that and then struggling to, to get with it. Mm -hmm. I've got, I've got the, I think it's just called notes on my Mac and I've got like a tab in there and I just, um, at the minute throwing stuff out there, rearranging stuff, working through bits and pieces. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been good. Like it's, it's, Oh, I feel like I've been doing this for ages, but it's a lot of like groundwork for some of the activated author stuff. So I've been booking, mm -hmm. coming masterclasses. We've got the guys from Plotter coming to give us a, a masterclass on Monday. 
Um, I've got uh, a couple more that I'm just dotting the I's and crossing the T's, so I won't say what they are. But then I've also got, you know, working on the first full interview season of this podcast. Yep. Uh, one thing that I haven't really mentioned on this podcast is I've got another podcast starting soon, um, which is part of kind of um, the, the stuff that I'm doing over at Writers of Horror. So we're starting a podcast in which we interview horror authors. Mm-hmm. And it's been deliberately designed in a way that it won't use all of our time. It won't be as sapping because you know weekly podcasts like this they take effort and I can't really commit to more than one of these a week it's just it's just too much yeah. whereas with the writers of horror it's myself splitting the work with the wonderful Julie Heiner mm-hmm. um, she's fantastic at interviewing people I think it's gonna be a lot of fun seeing her uh, get people into the hot seat um but we're doing one episode a month so like it's it's slow going but it's been deliberately built in a way that we can sustain it and get it started and not like overdo it just because we're doing it's, it's a passion project but also you know we want to speak to people in the horror community and you know yeah spread their message so yeah it's been um it's been a good week it's been a quick week and we're almost up to the weekend already so that's what I've got yeah um what's your key takeaway from this week so I did a thing this week uh which I'm usually not wont to do which is the reflecting page of my uh of my diary so if uh if you remember uh, a few episodes back, I spoke about how like they're usually always blank and I find like reflecting. Ugh. Um, but I deliberately sat down this week. So the planner that I've got is a clever Fox planner and in the like reflection pages, it has, um, I don't know what they're called. It's very similar um idea to what you've done in the author matrix which is where you kind of like give a score to areas of your life this is slightly uh more arbitrary i think because it's just kind of like a circle with the lines and it's like a one to ten and you just kind of like over the last week guess where do you think as opposed to like you know like a proper deep dive um and it was (laughs) the saddest circle i've ever seen in my life it had like like two so if you imagine almost like um like a pie chart um and like equal wedges mm-hmm. it had two of the wedges almost completely full and the rest just hovering around one and two oh, and i was man. like oh no um and so i yeah i looked at that and i was like okay these are the things that i really want to focus on this week um and then it kind of slipped my mind because again my brain um and then at the end of monday i was like shit and i had that instant knee-jerk response of well i'm gonna have to wait a week like i've started the week now so like i guess was and i just i was like (laughs) i literally i was kind of walking down the stairs i literally stopped on step and was like no (laughs) (laughs) like you do not have to wait until monday to start and I literally every day since then I've been writing that as my little affirmation because I I write an affirmation every day in my when I'm planning my day out um just to remind myself of that like you don't have to wait till the next day you don't have to wait till Monday you don't have to wait till the beginning of a month the beginning of a quarter or the beginning of a year you can stop or start anything at any time time is arbitrary we make these rules for ourselves um and so it was just a long-winded explanation there of explaining that yes it was one of those lessons that I kind of preach Mm -hmm. and like I almost 
fell right down in that bloody well myself. So that is my takeaway is that you do not have to wait till Monday to start. And also, if you like have forgotten something or you like, and I say this in inverted quotes, mess up on something halfway through the day, that does not mean the day is ruined. You just say, okay, well, I'm human. That's fine. Dust yourself off and carry on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's my takeaway. Please tell me, Mr. Wilcox, what is yours? Well, it's such an important point though. Like you don't have to wait until Monday because the amount of times I've gotten to the beginning of December and I'm like I'll wait until the 1st of January before I start mm-hmm. doing it's like why like if you want these things enough because clearly there's a reason you're telling yourself that you want to do them why why not start at the point where you're like I'm going to start this or like at the most like I'll start this in the morning right like, it's such it is a bizarre mental sort of cage that we put ourselves in that like mm-hmm. oh like, I really want to do this but it's Tuesday and it's <laughs> on a Monday and like, like you say, you weren't born on a Monday. So like the rhythm of your life isn't dictated by Mondays or shouldn't be. Yeah. If you were born on a Monday, then start everything on a Monday. What are you doing? Just ignore it. <laughs> Just said. <laughs> <laughs> God bless those Monday babies. I think I was a Thursday baby. Anyhow. It was a Friday I, baby. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my takeaway this week is um, a book that I'm currently reading, which is called Stolen Focus. Um, and I, cannot, uh, I can't remember who wrote it. It's on the front of the book. Um, yep. <laughs> but it's um, like I've read a book before, which is basically about the perils of social media and, you know, mobile phone usage and how that steals your focus and things and like how much more fast paced the world is with digital technologies. Yes. And again, like ironically, the, the name for the other books escaping me, but it was um. The, the other book I read was basically an experiment of a guy who was like, I'm going to take a month off of social media and chronicling that experience and kind of, you know, building a legion behind him of other people that took on that challenge and were inspired by his efforts and all this kind of stuff. And this is a, a very similar thing in tone, but it focuses more on the focus and the attention side of things. So mm-hmm. the whole story from where I am so far, I'm about halfway through, um, the whole main line of thought is centered around mobile phones and the fact that he has taken this i think it's three months three month detox in which they've gone to province town without any technology a laptop that only like works with word and like a yeah. phone it's for emergencies but within that there's lots of interviews and anecdotes and um sort of little stories about professionals from all over the world discovering this sort of um absence this this hole that's that's appearing in our attention as human beings um I won't mm-hmm. go massively into it. Like it is uh, the good thing I've really enjoyed about it. It's very well written, so it's very readable, despite nice. the fact there are quite some quite lofty ideas in there. Um, but it talks about the fact that like our attention as a species, just in general, is diminishing year on year and year and year. And it's not just because of mobile phones. It's happened over the last like 100, 200 years because of how quickly everything's evolved, because of industrialization, because of all that. Like mm-hmm. the world just moves faster. And with that, that means that obviously our attentions go faster. And I find it in myself, like I used to be able to happily sit down and just read like an 800 page fantasy novel. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, I need to read this novella because it's quick. And even then, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, and like TV shows and stuff, like the idea of sitting down and watching something for an hour is much less intimidating than sitting down and watching five episodes of a 20 minute show. Mm. So it's it's interesting reading a lot of that and it's highlighting a lot of um, my own uh, behaviours and I said to you earlier this week, like I'm under no illusion that I'm currently like very, very addicted to my phone, mm-hmm. which is an issue and something that I'm looking into. But 
like it's it's a hard world where everything centers around digital so like mm-hmm. i've tried it before or the when i the last time i did a proper social media detox um i was off it for i think about three weeks and i only used it for phone calls and for music um and stayed off it it was wonderful when this was about six seven years ago um and then was pulled back into it because my job was in <laughs> digital marketing so i needed the phone um yeah. but then any other time i've tried to come off it recently like my bank's on there. My contacts are on there. Like it's got a camera to it. Like the camera is one of the biggest things that gets me. Cause I love like recording moments with Bailey. Mm-hmm. The minute I'm like, I'll lock my phone away. I'm like, well then I, I know yeah. I can, you know, cast these in memory, but sometimes it's nice to have a picture. And Yeah, it is. Especially with a kid, especially with a young kid because they grow so quickly. And like the Bailey that you will have in front of you today is a different child to the Bailey you had in front of you two years ago will be a different child to the Bailey you have in front of you two years in the future. Like they grow and change so quickly. And I think it's a real, it's a real difficult one um, when it comes to mobile phones, because we are, I think just as a species generally, particularly in the Western world, addicted to our phones. Like they are built to make you an addict. Uh, for those listening, Dan is currently doing a little jig and pointing to empty spaces in the room where if it was a reel or a TikTok, there would be text appearing uh, <laughs> to make a point that he doesn't therefore have to say, but instead does a little shifty dance. Um, it, it, it is tricky, especially um, when you are like a business owner and you're using your phone for business things. And you want to go on to social media to promote things and to engage and to contact with um, contact, connect with other people in a similar situation. I think it's it is a tricky one. Yeah, it's a real point of contention as well, because I'm very aware of the detrimental effects of social media. But then in order mm-hmm. to reach people, I need to yep. actively play into the system. And yeah. it's one of those things where and this could go into a whole discussion. I think we'll probably do we probably will do an episode on this at some point. Um, but it's a real thing at the minute with with AI with me in the sense of like there are certain things that you could rebel against or you could find a way to utilize the system in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the realization I've come to is like by ignoring digital promotion, social media, all that kind of all those kind of platforms. The only person that's really damaging livelihood wise is myself. Yeah. So how can I use the platform in a way that works with me that I can manage to also send the right messages and brings people mm-hmm. our area of the internet so yeah all of that to say um stolen focus very good book um so far so I'll hopefully have this finished this week and just uh very 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 quickly rebelling against the system is still partaking in the system mm-hmm. so either you find a way to work within it or you build your own systems like rebelling is just another form of interacting with the system hey troy barnes believed in christmas so he could take it down from the inside for the house of jehovah so <laughs> fans out there <laughs> they're my favorite raps ever <laughs> oh right do we uh, have a weekly win daniel we do have a weekly win we'll say we've got two because one of them um is a bit more uh author focused and the other one is just um a very very happy hooray so the first one is um emmy's mum's surgery went very very well and we're all very, very, very happy for Emmy and, and her mother. So, like, yeah, we are. Lord. Um, and for anyone that did see any of the fundraising posts and stuff, um, I know it was sort of a more quiet affair, but if you did fund and donate, then a massive thank, thank you. you. 
Uh, and the second one is from Carla, who wrote a chapter of her steampunk novel for her little poet buddy. And they want and they want her to do one more on the other side of the initial chapter for balance. So she's already found a hungry reader that is mm-hmm. reading before it's even published. So that is awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, and just before we go into the question, just a very quick um, acknowledgement of the fact that the podcast, uh, pod, podcast, podcast last week, for some reason, didn't publish on the usual day of Monday. So um, apologies for anyone that was looking for that on the Monday. It is officially live. It went live yesterday, uh, which will be Wednesday for people listening to this and they should listen yes. to the future and the whole time loop thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're aware of the issue and it has been fixed. So yes. And a big thank you to, um, I'm trying to think of their handle. Is it Edwin? Edwin! Yes. A big thank you to Edwin for flagging that so we could we could sort it out. Yes. Perfect. Into the question. Okie dokie. So the question this week is, what are tropes? <laughs> what is trope? What is tropes? How do book? <laughs> How do book? Why do tropes? Why do tropes? <laughs> yeah, so um, like as in case people haven't gathered yet, we're kind of like trying to cover a lot of the fundamentals of mm-hmm. story writing just for, because I think uh, like there's a lot of um, terminology in writing that is needlessly complicated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like in any are, industry, but yeah. And it's all stuff that when you put them on the mic scope and you look at them, you're like, ah, oh, that's what they are. And mm-hmm. tropes are, are essentially um, familiar ideas or, you know, building blocks that make particular stories. Yep. Um, and so, like, me and Sam in preparation of this have put together a bunch of, like, uh, tropes for different genres that we'll kind of go into in a minute. But, like, ultimately, the knowing your tropes when it comes to writing your story means that you have more chance of writing a successful story. Because, again, we covered this in an earlier episode, but, like, when you're when you're writing a story, you don't have or all right. <laughs> let me rephrase this. If you're writing for fun and you just want to write whatever you want to, you're not worried about you know publishing or like finding readers and all that kind of stuff. Like write what you want. The scope of the world is yours. There are no limits. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to become an activated author and you want to write books and put them out into the world. Like you have to play within the systems, kind of like you know what we were saying with the social media stuff. But like yeah. there are expectations. There are things that a reader wants from certain types of books, and if you don't mm-hmm. introduce that to them. Although they might not necessarily understand why it's not working, they will feel shortchanged for the experience. Mm-hmm. So um, when we come into uh, things like tropes, a simple trope, for example, just to get started, and I will speak from the point of horror because that is my baby. Um, mm-hmm. If you're writing a horror book that doesn't like in some way scare the audience in some way using particular things. So a very common trope in horror would be haunted house or an yep. abandoned place. Like mm-hmm. you'll see lots and lots and lots of those all over the shop in horror. That's just a yep. thing people go to um and although we have a list of tropes it's also worth mentioning that you don't have to shove everything into oh no but what this gives you is a very very good baseline a very good outline on the parameters of what will make a successful story in that genre yeah so if you can learn them if you can understand like either all of them or a bunch of them it really does give you a chance to go like, what kind of book shall I write? Okay, here's my menu of things on the table. I'm going to pick a little bit of uh, found footage. Uh, I'm going to include some of the seven sins in there. Um, it's probably going to happen at nighttime and I want to do it in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've now got like four tropes for horror that will help me write a book. And from those things, I can then like add my characters, build the world, do all the other stuff. So tropes really are, as I say, they're building blocks of story, but they're also incredibly useful shortcuts to write yeah. a story that will resonate with your readers. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to add to that, Sam, before we go into Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you are, like, writing in a genre that you um, enjoy reading, which one would argue would be the smart <laughs> move? Like, if you're not reading the genre you're writing, but then you... That's another episode. Um, then, whether you know the names of them or not, 
you're I guarantee there's tropes in there because you are familiar with them as a reader. Um, like I, I, I like I've got a list of kind of names of fantasy tropes in front of me because I don't know really the names of any of them. Yes. Um, but I like I use a lot of them. So, for example, like um, missing. So in fantasy, like, you know, you, you misremember the past or like you you don't know the secret powers that you have mm-hmm. inside you. The mentor that helps you like through all of the, you know, the checkpoints. Then you've got things like the chosen one. Dragons is a trope like, oh, God, high fantasy. Love a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing as well. Tropes, tropes can be like a whole range of stuff. They can be settings. They can be things. They can be like particular mm-hmm. storylines like quest is a trope in. Oh, big one. Yeah, but like dragons makes me laugh because it's just like, how do we make fantasy? Dragons! (laughs) (laughs) But it's right, like, other than, you know, you might get some sort of fantasy sci fi, um, Mm -hmm. dragons mostly belong in fantasy, and that's where people find them. So, um, and fantasy readers love a good dragon. Oh my God. Love a dragon. dragon. So, um, so yeah, why don't we kind of break this down um okay. oh, actually before before we do that I, we will also add because what we have done here um is made a very distinct note on the fact that like there are primary genre tropes mm-hmm. and then there are subgenre tropes so uh, i can't remember if we went into subgenres i know we've done genres um, i don't think we no we haven't done an episode specifically on subgenres we i think we've we mentioned a few knowing a genre, um, but yeah we haven't specifically done no. yeah so because subgenres can make a big difference because obviously like so what we're talking about here is you have your umbrella um genre so for example fantasy and then underneath that you'll have like urban fantasy and contemporary fantasy traditional fantasy (laughs) horror fantasy historical fantasy all sorts all the different types of fantasy and each of those will have very very specific things as well so you have your umbrella tropes which tend to relate to a lot of the stories but then if you niche down there will also be little sort of nuances and stories that you can take mm-hmm. or what you can take into into that so um i if you don't mind i shall jump on first please do <laughs> so okay let's look at horror as a as a broad genre so just some of the tropes in genre because there are there can be hundreds for, for mm, oh god yeah there are <laughs> in in most horrors there, there will be an abandoned or a haunted place um, that could be like a haunted house that you're trapped in, or in the case of Stephen King's It, there is a particular haunted house that is sort of on the other end of town that features quite heavily in the story. Yes. Or if we're looking at Where Winter Comes by Daniel Wilcox, you could argue that the setting, the landscape itself, is kind of abandoned. And there's an abandoned tunnel in there. So. There is an abandoned tunnel in there, yeah. That's creepy as... <laughs> uh, another one is summoning evil. So there'll be people proactively playing with, you know... Um, pentagrams and different books and rituals to try and bring some kind of evil into the world so you know nope. breaking that that mirror into whatever other dimension that the horror lies within uh mentioned already the seven sins are very much used as themes um there's a lot of gluttony a lot of lust a lot of um i'm trying to think what they were uh lust, greed. Gluttony, greed um but they they feature very very heavily because they're very christianic um indicative themes themselves so mm-hmm. using those and exploiting those for sort of uh, repercussions and vengeance and things like that uh found footage in the case of things like the Blair Witch Project which mm. oh my god like some if you do found footage well you do it very well like I saw a guy do a a found footage clip on his zoom with his friends during the pandemic and it was genius I don't know how they did it I think 
I don't, I honestly don't know. They basically set them up as if they were like, oh, just a second, guys, I just need to go up into my loft. And they take their laptop with them, pop the laptop down so it's pointing up at the loft hatch. And then they mm-hmm. climb up to the loft and you see the flash of like golden eyes. And then the next thing you know, he's just like taken. So found footage, if it's like, if it seems real and like shaky and very um, amateur, that can add into horror. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the very popular ones, splitting up or going solo. So if you're all in a group and you're somewhere, it's like, oh, oh take okay. this wing. you take this wing, like not like romantic breakups. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was <laughs> like, the world is doomed. <laughs> Everything so... No, it's, it's 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 that whole like when it's that thing in the horror movies where yeah. you're like, don't go by yourself. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop yeah, why it. are you taking a shower in an abandoned house when you know that bad things are happening? Why are you going up the stairs? Is the front door there? No, <laughs> wrong way, wrong way. <laughs> um, another one, uh, no communication. So often these pl- mm. these horrors will happen in places where like cell phones break or you know there's no radio service and they just cannot like it's all very isolated um often bad things will happen at night time uh and rarely 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 there is a happy ending it does happen sometimes but rarely um mm-hmm. that's kind of the broader overview of horror and yeah. then i picked uh three subgenres just to kind of add a little bit extra to that mm-hmm. um one of them surprise surprise will be cosmic horror so cosmic horror is taken from sort of like the the works of like lovecraft and yes it's all very big scale so some of the tropes in cosmic horror are the unknowable monster and kind of what that means is that um, oftentimes the bad guys in there aren't necessarily um, evil. So it's normally a case of in the cosmic universal scope of things, these creatures, these massive monsters are just living their life. They're not attacking you intentionally to harm you. It's just you're in their way of living. So it's not mm-hmm. sort of um, malignant. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Um there is often a, a highlighting of the insignificance of the human condition in the cosmic scheme of things. So the fact that yes. like, we, we mean nothing really on this planet, like the, the universe is vast. Um, there's uh, presumptions of nature and biology are eroded. So it's about the disproval of science we already know. So we think we know what's going on until something shows us to the contrary, just blows expectations. Mm-hmm. So in the case of uh, Lovecraft's Mountain of Madness, they find an ancient civilization which predates any history that we know of. And so that kind of makes you go, well, what life are we living? What do we actually know? Um, <laughs> cover your ears on this one. You're not going to like this one. Uh, preoccupation with visceral materials. So often like monsters we made of things like gelatinous slime and tentacles and things that aren't generally of like human flesh and bone. Um, and then I put like a couple of examples of stories. So like Mountains of Madness, you're good. Mountains of Madness by Lovecraft, uh, Worm and His Kings by Hayley Piper. And then uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. I think, which is a film that came out last year, I think could be considered within this genre. Um, so you can see they're a bit different. Like you can stack those on top of the broader mm-hmm. horror genre and then add these sort of nuances. Um, two more quick subgenres. We've got folk horror. Um, so typically you might have a modern protagonist who's plunged into a rural um, setting that has sort of more traditionally valued cultures, uh, culture and, and life. So think of like, I know the, a lawyer in a city going to visit like an Am- Amish community. Not necessarily that extreme, but that kind of feel. Hot fuzz, but that's not horror, but like that idea. Yeah, it's got that kind of like folk feel to it because it's all it's all very like urban. The greater good. Rural even, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The greater good. It's all cults and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cults are big in folk horror. Um, sometimes you've got period pieces. So if uh, movies like The Witch are very sort of period piece horrors that are quite folk and ritualistic. Um, are you laughing at period? <laughs> oh, because... Just genuinely, 
genuinely for a second I was trying to keep a straight face um because I was like I swear to god like the things that like men are afraid of <laughs> and then you're like <laughs> I was like oh right it's okay you're talking period. about periods in time not yes. like menstruation okay yeah yeah, yeah. there you but, go yeah. time yeah. periods um <laughs> And then you got things like uh, rituals, satanic monsters, uh, paganism features a lot, sacrifice, superstition, and again, sort of this um, re-cementing of isolation. Yeah. Um, couple of examples: The Witch, Midsummer, Blair Witch Project, all fantastic mm-hmm. sort of folk horror inspired. Witches are very, very heavy in folk, heavy in folk horror. Um, I think mm-hmm. just because it's that kind of very um, a couple of centuries ago, like mentality of what like science is mm. quite heavily. Um, and the last one, just to top, just to top it all off, just to is, top it all off, <laughs> is paranormal horror, um, in which you get things like investigations, demons, and monsters. Uh, there's normally an insidious underbelly of something going on, um, and you have like your ghosts and your hauntings within that as well. So, just within horror itself, um, the main genre, three different subgenres, and a shite load of content that you can cherry pick for your story. Um, yeah. Over into you, Sam, because I know you've got a few as well. I do indeed. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna start with fantasy because that's that's what i like um so like if we're looking at fantasy as a whole like main kind of um tropes main tropes there's so many freaking tropes <laughs> <laughs> so um i've got a list here so i'm just gonna i'm gonna read off it otherwise my anxiety is a bit high today so otherwise i'm gonna fumble my words okay so we've got things like um the chosen one that's a huge huge uh trope in fantasy um magical objects so things like magical swords like if you think um like Arthurian legends that kind of thing um fairy tale retellings are huge um that's a big big old trope um and then obviously magic so things like um elemental magic or kind of learned magic just magic in general magic systems you know dragons i know i've said dragons and i know i've said dragons again but people oh, love a dragon. dragon they love a dragon <laughs> <laughs> things like parallel worlds secret royalty uh huge like epic battles massive like quests and journeys um you know, it's subtle fantasy it's not oh like, no you don't in you, a tiny village no you, you don't that <laughs> starts in a tiny village <laughs> and then it goes Wah! and then just things like you know the mentor or the the like the wizard that kind of comes in and and helps that kind of thing um there's usually a like a dark lord or an evil queen or some kind of huge almost omnipresent threat to the world like as a whole so like for example you were talking about the different kind of threats in horror generally speaking um in fantasy at least high fantasy um the threat is to the entire freaking world like if you do not stop this thing the world will either end like completely end or it will be reworked in the um the way that the dark lord evil queen omnipresent threat wishes it to be so it'll either be actually properly ended or it the world as you know it with goodness and light and frolicking fairies will 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 end um and then if i'm like i'm gonna look into some um what's the word subgenres uh because fantasy has so many yeah one of like so i think a lot of the time when you think of fantasy most people 
uh, would like high fantasy is probably the first thing they think of whether they know it as that or not so things like lord of the rings uh wheel of time anything that is set in um kind of like epic epic settings usually like a lot of tropes in there so like the quest you know like lord of the rings you've got the one ring uh the wheel of time they're trying to stop um, at least in the the first ones, like they're trying to stop uh, the dragon being reborn and the world being remade and all of that kind of um, thing. So, yeah, high fantasy. If we look at tropes in that, we have, like I say, quests. There's usually you've usually got a huge group of kind of adventurers, like a fellowship, for example, that go on that quest with you. Um, it normally starts very small, so kind of the the like little world to huge worlds. Then you've got like wizards, like I said before, and like magical creatures, magical species. So elves. I'm literally just listing Lord of the Rings now. Dwarves. <laughs> but but although because it's worth noting as well that Lord of the Rings um, isn't the originator, but it's one of the big populations yeah. of fantasy. So it, it makes sense that a lot of what is in Lord of the Rings is in pretty much most fantasies now. So like you say, yeah. dwarves and elves and wizards and yeah. all that kind of stuff, like even like things like Ents and things have, have transferred over into other other stories and stuff. So yeah, makes sense. Um, and then you have also just quickly so things like prophecies um are in there, um and definitely high fantasy is your dark lords and your evil queens and like a huge kind of monster of some description is usually in there whether that's like for example um the hobbit like has obviously smaug mm. we all learned how to say that properly smog it's smog. it's smog i don't give a shit what you say smaug yeah. is ridiculous anyway <laughs> um, what does smaug say when he's got nothing to do i don't know smog is bored <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that um, and then so you also have <laughs> <laughs> amazing i'm happy with that just yeah well done well done um a couple of other kind of subgenres. so urban fantasy is huge at the moment like has been for a little while so urban fantasy think of things like twilight um or the dresden files yeah or i'm like for me i'm not a big oh i'll tell you what the um the rivers of london actually is a Aaron Ben Aronovich. Aronovich um is like a typical urban fantasy. Um Blood and Legacy. when Trask. Yes. Blood Legacy. Yeah, exactly. Um and a lot of the kind of um like tropes within urban fantasy. Um so you have kind of the detective trope. Mm -hmm. Um so for example, you've said Faye now and I'm thinking about uh, Grimm. Because she was talking about it in uh, things earlier, so Grimm is a is an excellent example of this. It has the fairy tale retelling trope in it, um, and it has the detective trope in it. So he is a police officer that starts to see fairy tale creatures everywhere, but like the Grimm fairy tale versions, which is why it's called Grimm, um, and it's his job as a law enforcer, um, and now you know someone that can see into this secret world, which is another trope of. Um, urban fantasy this kind of hidden world in plain sight that is kept from most people um so like this you you know you travel through this almost secret doorway into this world um 
it's his job to kind of almost police that. And that's a big trope. So Rivers of London is the same. Um, he is a police officer and he's part of a special, very small part of the police force. And his job is to, you know, keep these things in check. Learned magic is a huge trope mm. in urban fantasy. So like in high fantasy, you get people that just kind of are intuitive with magic. Um, you know, wizards, you don't really see them learning magic, generally speaking. Um it's you know people normally just have magic where in urban fantasy learned magic is like a big thing um because you know they like to reinvent the bloody wheel so just all sorts of different kind of magic systems um to, to my chagrin love triangles seem to be huge <laughs> in urban fantasy that's a very popular yeah. trope yeah um and then you know just things like Sorry, I'm just like fully annoyed that that's <laughs> that's yeah, one of the Tobler and a romance. Yeah. Um then just things like um big big on kind of brooding exceptions. So things like uh, you know, the vampire that doesn't want to kill people. Yeah. And it's really difficult. I'm talking about Angel from Buffy here, but he's, he's not the only one. So it's worth noting as well that um, some of the tropes can transcend genres. Mm -hmm. So you have like, you know, you've spoken about the Dark Lord, you've spoken about like quests and things. A lot of those, if you look at like the Lord of the Rings, if you look at Star Wars, there's similarities there in like the Mentor, in like, although, you know, you don't technically have magic in sci-fi, the Force, Medichlorians. Um, you still have, some of these can cross over into different ones as well. Um, and it's also worth noting that, like, it, be very um, conscious of the wording of how the trope is, because one of the tropes in uh, game lit slash lit RPG is, um, which for people who haven't read it, is basically almost like you're playing a video game and your character is in a digital world playing a video game. <laughs> and uh, one of the big tropes in that is that there's no way back. So, for example, you might have an elderly man or woman, eight years of age, reaching the end of their life, and so they plug their consciousness to be immortalized in a video game. If you, and I've seen this <laughs> done before, um, and the people not get the best reviews, if you make it so that person can come back, people don't like that. So this idea of almost having like game pods where you can like step in and then step out and all that kind of stuff, aren't gonna be received as well as the actual, you know, black and white trope of, no, they can't come back. They're in the game now. Like it's different stakes. If you yeah. don't go back into the mortal world, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Let's jump over into uh, just a couple more. So, like, I've got sci-fi here as um, a broader genre. Some of the tropes in, in sci-fi include things like space travel, time travel, alternate universes, robots, aliens, AI, nanotech, uh, jarring futures, um, and results of technological corruption. So, things mm. like, um, yeah, so things like dystopian and post-apocalyptic fall within the sci-fi genre because they're often the results of scientifically explosive <laughs> and so what you're telling me is sci-fi is more than just star trek and star wars oh 100 yeah i don't like that <laughs> no if I, yeah i mean when you think sci-fi you think of like aliens you think of spaceships and different planets and things but you think of jean-luc picard saying on screen yeah i mean technically sometimes in charts horror is nestled under sci-fi and fantasy because you've got elements mm. of you know um genetic corruption like and it's that thing where they can kind of play it gets very complicated um but just a couple of like differences in the tropes of sci-fi um if you are using the space opera subgenre 
uh, you get things like obviously space exploration that doubles up from the original um, primary genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's often the focus on uh, militarization and and wars. Yes. Um, you still have your quests. There's often sometimes the romantic element of that of like you know these sort of Romeo and Juliet factions. Um, and yeah, an example of space opera was you know Star Wars can be considered a space opera because of the breadth of it and how like big yeah. you've got the wars and the different planets. There's definitely the quest in there, the romance. The... the incestuous romance. Yeah. I don't know if you can you can't consider it incestuous if the second they realise they're brother and sister, they're like <laughs> I think it, yeah. it it's more like like they don't know their brother and sister when they kiss. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is in, in incest is with intention. I think so. Okay. I mean I mean yeah. like you could <laughs> who knew it was taking this term? Turn, but like <laughs> you could um just uh, just pause for a really long time i'll cut that out pause <laughs> um but like they so they don't know their brother's brother and sister and it's one kiss and they find out and then they're like oh, i'm good let's not um if they'd have been like i'm good let's then that's definitely incest but and i also think that like Maybe if they didn't know, but it went on for a really long time, you would still class it as incest. I think a one-off kiss where you don't know, like, is that a freebie? <laughs> I don't know. So that's that's some of the tropes of the incest genre. Um, yeah, get in the comments. Let us know if uh, what your opinions on incest are. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm terrified of that one comment. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, ignore that, ignore that. Um, one final subgenre within sci-fi particularly is post-apocalyptic. So I'll pick this one out mm. just because, again, like, it's very different to space opera, but it's often quite strongly linked to the sci-fi genre. So yeah. um, post-apoc, you get your cataclysmic scientific catalysts. So the reason the world has ended is, like, a scientific virus. It's an electromagnetic pulse. Sometimes it's global warming. Could be nuclear bombs. Um, whatever it is, like, humans done fucked up um which is an excellent trope yeah yeah uh desolate planets you have your lonely protagonists you have bandits and warring factions uh there's often a quest for a cure or solution somewhere in there um an example that being like the last of us or the road by cormac mccarthy Mm. so yeah broadly like there's a whole there's a whole scope of things but um hopefully with a lot of those examples we've highlighted the difference between like the broader genre which like (gasps) I've just I've, I've just realized that I forgot the like one of the biggest um tropes in high fantasy Bestiality. which is which is the moment that Aragorn walks through the double doors. Yes. <laughs> that needs to be every That is its own fucking trope. <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, hopefully we've highlighted the, the, the difference between like knowing the, the broader genre tropes um mm. and subgenres particularly. But as as we say, like tropes on their surface, they're incredibly simple. Um it's just the word tropes, I think sometimes throws people off, but it is just the building blocks of what makes that particular story. And you have a whole a whole buffet to play with, like we've mm-hmm. read but a morsel of what is on the buffet. Yeah. So so then, try and over to you. I was just gonna say the list <laughs> the list is like extensive and what we've spoken about is like far from exhaustive um exhaustive is that how you say it yeah 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 yeah. um and like 
you might hear tropes being described as cliche sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ooh, I'm really like developing a problem with the word cliche these days. Mm, yeah, and it's it's you know cliches are cliches because they're used a lot um, to you know greater or lesser effect. Um, I feel like cliches are the gravy that goes on the imposter syndrome mash. I want gravy and mash now. Mm. Um, I probably want gravy and mash. Yeah, but no. <laughs> also, I think sometimes um, people are like, it's cliche or they roll their eyes at certain tropes because it's been done a certain way. Yes. But just because like some like um, love triangles and vampires and werewolves, for example, just picking that completely randomly, yeah. not referring to anything in particular, uh, people get, you know, bored of, that or sick of that and they're like oh it's been done to death but it hasn't it's just for you mate. it's been done that way for that person to death it's it's same as anything else take what you enjoy um and and use that going forward i would say if that one makes my least any favorite. sense whatsoever yeah. one of my least favorite like cliches and this is a cliche is the villain turnaround of well 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 like just we are the same, you and I. Yes, well, well, well. Um, but yeah, so there it is. There are hundreds upon thousands of different um, tropes. So build your story accordingly um, and play with them, have fun with them. Like that's the whole point of these kind of tropes. And what we're really trying to drill with some of these conversations that we're having is that like the frameworks are there for you to play in and to have fun. Like mm -hmm. if there were no barriers, no borders, like there would be no way that you could write a story that would please mass audiences. So like there's a reason people have come to expect these because they like them and because they work. Uh, and that doesn't also mean that new tropes aren't born all the time and that people do push their boundaries. But if you're earlier in your writing, like learn to play within these before you then start to experiment. Yeah, it's always a good idea to like understand the rules before you break them because broken rules on accident generally just feel like mistakes where broken rules on purpose is genius. So like learn the rules first before you start to kind of like mess with them a bit yeah um so yeah we'll put some uh, links into the show notes for places where you could start to find out some more tropes and bits and pieces um i am planning on writing some articles and things for activated authors about tropes and a bunch of different things to to help authors with their writing so keep a watch out for those um but yeah that brings us sort of towards the end so just a reminder for people that uh, on our website is a whole host of free stuff now so uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that we're doing offering at the minute is if you would like a 30 minute free coaching call with myself you can book those no obligation no charge absolutely nothing just literally go over to activatedauthors.com scroll down on the page and there you can book a free 30 minute coaching call with myself if you want to have any uh, any questions very quickly answered just find out a little bit more about what we're doing whatever it is you want to talk about it's there for you to book in so jump on over to activatedauthors.com for that. And we will say, finally, a massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each and every week. And if you're interested in finding out all about how to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to www, well, wait, HTTPS, semicolon, forward slash, forward slash, www, period, activatedauthors, period, dot com. Or and you could just type in activatedauthors.com because <laughs> you don't need to put any of that shit in anymore. Uh -huh. And you can find out all about our community, our resources and everything else we've got going on. One more time from myself and from Sam. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Activate your energy. <laughs>